All right, well, let's continue on Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Last week we did uh, verses 1 through 7, and tonight we'll uh, go through verses 8 through 20, if we have time to get through them all. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20, and I'll begin reading in Galatians 4, <clears throat> verse 8 says this. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after the if known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon your, you labor in vain." Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. <laughs> ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you." Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we come before you again tonight through the blood and name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, we thank you that you've heard our prayer request tonight, God. And you care about everything that was mentioned. You care about every spiritual aspect, every physical aspect, every financial aspect. Lord, everything uh, that's going on, dear God, we lay at your feet. And Lord, we confess that we need you tonight. Thank you for those that are here. Thank you for those that are listening. And Lord, we pray in everything that's done, dear God, you would glorify yourself and build your church in Jesus name. Amen. Of course, we've been looking at the different arguments that Paul has presented right to the Galatians concerning uh, between law and grace. And so tonight we look at another argument and I've called this one sort of the, the faithful spiritual father argument, right? Because, of course, uh, we see here in these verses that Paul presents himself as their spiritual father. And he's a faithful spiritual father. And so he, he says, he sort of says this, didn't I tell you life changing truth when I was there? Hey, when I was with you, wasn't I faithful to give you life changing truth? So you trusted me, basically says this, you trusted me with life-changing truth, right? You trusted me when I was giving you life-changing truth. Now won't you trust me when I'm trying to give you life-building truth, right? <laughs> because that's what we want, right? We want to see people get saved, and then they have to be built up and grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what he's telling them. Hey, you trusted me when I was there, and you'll see how they treated him when he was there. I gave you life-changing truth. You got saved. Now, why would you look to somebody else for building truth? I, not only did I, I haven't forgotten about you. Amen. You're, you're, I, I'm as your spiritual father. And so I've given you that life changing truth. And now I want to give you the tools. And well, God has given you the tools, but I want you to understand what they are so you can understand these life building <laughs> truths. And you can see how he, he says that. Notice in verse 12, he says, brethren, I beseech you, right? He, he makes that connection with him, right? He wants to connect with him. Brethren, I beseech you. And then in verse 19, he makes this statement. 
my little children, my little children. So see how he's 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 uh, appealing to their sentiment as a father to his children, emphasizing the bond that they have built. And so you see that emphasis through these verses that, hey, uh, my little children, brethren, I beseech you. So he speaks with loving concern uh, to them. He says, listen, I've stayed I've stayed true to the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only have I stayed true to the Lord Jesus Christ, I've stayed true to you. Amen. I want to be there for you and help you out. No doubt. Uh, if you've ever led anybody to the Lord and, and been able to stay around where they are, you still have concerns about them. Hey, I, I still pray for uh, people that were in my ministry 30 years ago. I still pray. I still pray for uh, uh, Petya and Krasimir and, and Mitko. I still pray for those guys. I still pray for all those uh, uh, gypsy children, right? Uh, Nadja and Reni and Stefcho and uh, uh, Tony and all that. I remember their names because I pray for them all the time. I still pray for them and all those, all the, the people that were in my ministry in Germany, right? Uh, uh, the Towries and the Hamptons and the Sandrowskis and all them. How, how do you remember their name off those years? Because I still pray for them. So their names are still fresh. I, matter of fact, I prayed for every one of them uh, uh, this morning as I was going through my prayer list, just like I prayed for every one of you uh, by name uh, 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 today. So we want to keep that connection. Listen, we want to stay true to the Lord and we want to stay true to the church. We want to stay true, amen, to one another. So Paul took his spiritual oversight seriously. And we should take our spiritual oversight seriously. We should take our spiritual oversight in the church seriously. And then, of course, as uh, parents, grandparents, whatever, we want to take our spiritual oversight in the home seriously as well. So he wants them to understand some things that, hey, when you when you got sidetracked here, when you when you turn from the spiritual side of this, you gave up some things. You realize you gave up some things. You didn't gain some things. You actually lost some things. You actually gave up some things. One thing is, right, your liberty was surrendered. Your liberty, because your liberty, as we've seen, was found in Christ. Uh, That's sort of the theme of this book, right? Uh, Your liberty is found in Christ. So when you turn from Christ being your focus, then you lose that liberty or you back away that liberty from that liberty that you have in Christ. Verse 8 says, How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no God. So he says, hey, remember, uh, uh, what what did you look to before you got saved? Why? You looked to things. You looked to rules. You looked to things that really couldn't help you. Romans 1.25 talks about those that did that, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who's blessed ever. Boy, doesn't that sound like modern day uh, 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 um, America? Amen. Uh, uh, what, what was it? PETA, people for the uh, uh, eating of tasty animals, whatever that stands for, right? Whatever that stands for, people for the eating of tasty animals. I think that's what that stands for. I can't remember. But anyways, uh, people like that, they worship the, the creature more than the creator. And so uh, uh, w- w- that's what they did. So it's, and here, here's the thing. It's, it's, it is people that do not know God that need a religion, People that know God, they need religion. But people that know God, they have a relationship, right? They don't need things. They have a person, which is much better. A relationship is much better. So it goes on to say in verse 9, But now that after that you have known God, but you know what's better than that? Look at this. Or rather are known of God. 
Now that's what's good. Amen. It's not just that you know God. Amen. But it's that God knows you. And you know what? It's a wonderful thing that God is glad to admit that he knows you. You know, I guarantee you, you know, there's, you know, the famous people uh, uh, in the world, you know, maybe somebody went to high school with somebody famous, right? You know, John Doe goes, well, hey, you know, oh, yeah, I know him. We went to high school together, right? He hasn't seen him in 30 years, but he's still bragging about knowing him because he's famous now. Well, that's one thing to say that, you know, uh, you knew somebody famous 30 years ago, right? But it'd be something else if the famous person got up and said, oh, yeah, I know John Doe. We went to school 30 years ago, right? Then it adds a little something to it. Hey, listen, not only can you say that that, that are glad to say, I'm glad to say I know God, but I'm excited that God is glad to say that he knows me. Hey, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. Oh, can you hear God talking? Oh, oh, me? Oh, brother Mark. We go way back. We go way back. Yeah. Right. Oh, Pam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know you're talking about there. Isn't that a blessing? Hey, that he can say that he knows you. I like this verse. Second Timothy two nineteen. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standing sure, having this seal. Look at this. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He looks down here tonight, he says, and I know you, and I know you, and I know you, and I know you. I hope he can say that about everybody tonight. And I knew the Lord knoweth them that are his. And so, hey, it says there, right, you, rather you are known of God. That's the exciting part. You see, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And then we know him because he was first willing to know us. That's why we know him. Right. We love him because he first loved us, but we know him because he first had a desire to know us. That's what people need to realize. God loves you and God has a desire to know you. If you're not saved, God has a desire to know you. God has a desire to have a relationship with you. That's a wonderful thing. I mean, would you rather hear, hey, I know who you when you stand before God. Oh, hey, John, it's good to see you. Or, hey, I never knew you. Which would you rather hear? I'd rather hear, hey, he recognized me as I was walking toward you, right? You like when people remember your name, you want him to remember your name. Amen. And the day that he wrote it down in his book, when you got saved. So here's the thing. You know God. You're known of God. So how turn ye again? So he said in verse 8, now listen, you used to serve those things which by nature know God's. And now you have a relation. Before you, had, before you got saved, you had religion. You trusted in things. You looked to things. And did those things help you? No. Well, now you have a relationship with God. So, and, 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 and as he said earlier, right, it's the spirit that's got you to where you are today. It's grace that got you where you are today. So why would you turn back to those things? They couldn't help you then. Why do you think all of a sudden that it's going to be things that are going to help you now? How turn you again? False teaching just takes you backward. False teaching just takes you backward. It's the spirit and truth. It's the spirit and truth, amen, that move you forward and move you upward. We want to move forward. We want to move upward, right? The song says higher ground. So he says in verse 9, why turn you again to what? Notice these words, weak and beggarly elements. Notice those words, weak and beggarly elements. What is something? Something that's weak, right? Weak. Yeah, that's that's me. I just never could get those arms. Amen. Weak. Right. Weak. And a weak, you think of something that has no power, something that has no power. Hey, we know the gospel has power. 
That's what we want. We know that love has power. We know that faith has power. We know the spirit has power. So we want those things. We don't want the weak things, the things that don't have any power to help us. The beggarly things. That means something's beggarly. That means it lacks something. Why are people begging? Because they lack something. So they're out there begging for it because they lack something. So he's saying, why would you trust in something that lacks? Why would you trust in something that falls short, amen, in ability to help you? When you can be enjoying, why, why would you want to live beggarly, say it like this, when you can be enjoying the riches that you have in Christ, right? It, what, what the psalm, I've never seen what, his children begging bread, right? Hey, listen, uh, we're not to be beggarly. We're supposed to be enjoying the riches that we have in Christ as believer. Why? Because as we saw in the other verses, we're what? We're heirs. We saw last week, we're heirs in Christ. Ephesians 1.18 and verse 19 say this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, look at this, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Now, remember this, you're heirs. So when you're an heir, what are you interested in? Oh, can't see what Will says. I wonder what our inheritance is, right? Uh, hey, listen, uh, listen, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, some, normally somebody has to die for you to get the inheritance. Well, you know what? Somebody's died, amen, so you can have the inheritance, right? Jesus has already died, but he rose again. So, amen, you can get in on the inheritance. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance were in the saints. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So he said, so Paul saying to them, what are, what are you doing, right? Trusting in, why would you want to trust in something that is weak? Because that weak thing that you're looking to, it doesn't have the power to take you to spiritual maturity, right? You've been saved. God wants you to go on to spiritual maturity. And those weak and beggarly things you're trusting in, they won't get you to the mature level, the spiritual level that God desires you to live and enjoy. It's weak. It's beggarly. Right. In other words, it's beggarly. It's not it's not able to help you enjoy your inheritance. So he says them in verse eight again. Howbeit, then when you knew not God. Right. You were lost in your sin. So you were in bondage to sin. And now you're saved. But maybe you're not in bondage to sin, but you're in bondage to these weak and beggarly things. So here's the thing. Whether whether you're whether you're in bondage to sin or religious works, you're still in bondage and you're not moving forward in your relationship with Christ. And you're not enjoying the liberty which you should be enjoying in Jesus Christ. You're letting these things hold you back. Verse 10, well, here's an example. What do you do? You observe days and months and times and years, boy, we love to enjoy days and months and times and years, right? We look for the holidays. You know, isn't that amazing, right? Yeah, we like the holidays, not. But uh, you know, it, but, but what amazes me, you know, in Romans, right, when it talks about uh, how they turned from God and made him what likened to a man, likened to a a, a bird, likened to uh, what else was it? Four-footed beast and creeping things, right? And what are the main holidays in America? Santa Claus, you got a man, right? Uh, Thanksgiving, you got a bird. Uh, uh, Easter, they make it a rabbit. You got a four-footed beast. Halloween, you got creeping things. 
You know, I mean, I just always thought that was funny that, you know, our, how our holidays line up like that, you know, because people more get excited about the man at Christmas. They get more excited about the bird at Thanksgiving. They get more excited about the rabbit at Easter. They get more excited about creeping things at Halloween than they do God. Boy, that's our that explains uh, that, that explains our society today. And he says, you're, you know, you're, you're looking to all these things. In Romans 14, 5, he says this, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded. Oh, well, this and that. Listen, set all that aside and get back to Jesus. As long as they look to things, again, their liberty in Christ is surrendered. So, point one, when you look to other things besides Christ, then you're surrendering, right, your liberty or not enjoying the liberty that you have in Christ. Next, not only was their liberty surrendered, but their love was suppressed. Their love was suppressed. When they first met Paul, as you'll see in these verses, they loved him. He says that. When they first met Paul, they loved him. They loved his message. And through that, they fell in love with his Lord. They loved him. They loved his message. And through that, they fell in love with the Lord. But unfortunately, when our heart turns from the truth, it also turns on those that would give it to us. Boy, how many times have you seen that, amen? Uh, uh, when people, our heart turns from the truth, it turns even from those that would give it to us. In verse 12, he says this, Brethren, I beseech you. Here he is, brethren, trying to make that connection. Be as I am. Be as I am. And what was he? He was a serious, close follower of Christ, not man. Remember, Paul said in one place, follow me. As I follow Christ, because you only have a right. What is a leader? A leader is simply somebody with somebody behind him, right? You have somebody behind you, then you're a leader, whether it's one, ten, whatever, right? But in the spiritual realm, you only have a right, amen, to be, to, for somebody to be behind you if you're being faithful to be behind Christ. But he, so he says this. He says, and says, I am as ye are. What does he mean by that? Well, who's he talking to here? Galatians. And what was Galatians? What, what kind of church? It was mostly a Gentile group, right? He's, he's mo, uh, talking mostly to Gentiles. And so Paul is saying, listen, I, 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 I became like you. In other words, I was a Jew that was under the law. But when I got saved, I, in one sense, I became like a Gentile that wasn't obligated to the law. See, I was a Jew that, that was obligated to the law. He said, I was real religious. He said, but then when I got saved, I became sort of like a Gentile, no longer obligated to the law. And even when you were lost, you weren't obligated to law. So now that you're saved, why would you want to obligate yourself to the law? Why would you want to do that? Right. He says, and he goes on and talks about when he was there. He says, you know how through infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first and my temptation, which was in my flesh, he despised not nor rejected. But receive me as an angel of God, even as Christ. You see, hey, I remember, boy, I, when I look back, that's good memories for me. I remember how you treated me and how you were a, a blessing uh, to me. And I, I, you allowed me to be a blessing uh, to you. He says, my temptation. 
That is my, uh, not, not, in the, not, not in a carnal sense, but a temptation of a trial. We know that uh, Christians go through uh, testings and trials, so that's what that means here. My trial, that is the thing that God was testing me with at that time, which was something in the flesh, some type of physical issue. And, you know, people will talk about different physical issues that Paul might have had, whether it was eyes or, you know, his stammering speech or his countenance, whatever it was. And he, he mentioned some issue there. It's not clear what it was. There's other verses that reference things like that in the Bible. But Paul admits, hey, I was with you in weakness, he says in 1 Corinthians 2. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And he says here, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I believe the same things he said to the Corinthians, he says to the Galatians. He said, hey, hey, despite all my physical weakness, despite the weakness of me as, a, as an individual, amen, there was something greater than that going on. There was a spiritual side and you saw that. You saw the power of God working in my life and you saw how that power God used it to work in your life. So he says, listen, you, you treated me like an angel. Verse 15, where is that blessedness you spake of? Hey, remember, you said all those nice things. Well, hey, what are you thinking now? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Boy, that's, that's a lot of respect for somebody. Man, that you would, you would give uh, something like that, amen, and ha have such a, a respect and, a, and, and an admiration for somebody that you, they could say that about you. And then he turns around and says, man, that's, what, that's the way you treated me when I was there, but now you're off on all these other things, so what happened? Then he, he, he gets to the point in verse 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Boy, don't you feel that, uh, that way a lot of times when you talk to me, to people, to talk to people. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Boy, I put down here, don't believe your own press. It's a good thing Paul didn't believe his own press. You see, because those that think you are so good, there's something to remember in the ministry and even as a Christian, those that think you are so great today those that think you're so great today could be the first to turn on you tomorrow. I've certainly seen that over the years, and Paul certainly had to deal with it in more than one place. I think, was it in Acts 14 when he's over in, uh, is it, was it in uh, Lystra there? And then uh, they came and thought him, and was it Barnabas or was it Silas, were, were gods? You know, one's Mercury, one's Jupiter, and, and they were getting ready to make sacrifice to him, and they ran in and said, no, 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 we're just men like you. Then it says people came from Antioch and from uh, was it, uh, and Iconium. People came from Antioch and Iconium and stirred them up against Paul. And the next thing you know, that's where Paul got rocked to sleep. People think he got stoned to death, but we find out he really got rocked, to, not rocked to sleep, right? And they, and they thought he was dead. And uh, so they rocked him to sleep and he got up and then he went on and kept preaching. But here one minute they, they were calling him a God and wanted to worship to him. The next minute they stoned him. And right, that's, that's the way men are. So listen, hey, if people are being a blessing to you, enjoy it while they're being a blessing to you because you never know what they're going to do tomorrow. So it's sort of like this. One moment they look at Paul, uh, you're a god. The next moment they look at him and say, you're a fraud. <laughs> you never know what you're going to say just because they might say you're a god today and say you're a fraud tomorrow. Amen. So don't get caught up in your own press. Remember what Jacob said. Boy, at first he had a good relationship with Laban. Then one day he came to his wife and Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban and behold it and said it was 
not toward him and realize it was not toward him as before. And that's what Paul's saying here. Say, man, when I was there, man, you just thought, you know, I, I, I was the, uh, you know, uh, 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 greatest thing since manna. I guess that's the way you say it. The Jews would say it, right? You thought I was the greatest thing since manna. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Now, you think I've changed? I haven't changed. I haven't changed. You've changed. And what caused you to change? Well, it wasn't what I gave to you that caused you to change. It's what these false teachers are giving you that caused you to change. So, you see, because remember this, the convictions that often draw people towards you, right, often become the point of contention when people lose their proper focus. While Paul was still their friend, Paul was their friend. He was just a foe against those false teachers, and he was a foe against the false teaching that, that they had yielded to. So when people, but remember this, when people walk away, a good thing to remember as a Christian, when people walk away, as we see Paul setting an example here, we must continue to love them and speak the truth without compromise. Stick with the truth. Would you count me your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Here's some good verses to help you with that. Psalm 141.5, let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Notice that what a wonderful verse. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil. You know why? Because people that love you, people that really care about you, are willing to tell you the truth, no matter how you may respond to that. And of course, it should be done in the right spirit. Proverbs 9, 8. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee, but re rebuke a wise man, and what he will love thee. One more verse, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful, faithful are what? You know the verse, are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Listen, people are going to do things. I've said it before. I, man, I, you know, I've had people, I look back over 30 years, sure, I've had people do things. But you know I, again, I've purposed, Lord, please never let me hold anything in my heart against anybody. It's just not worth it. Man, I, you know, I don't want my heart full of uh, things that shouldn't be there. I want my heart full of the things, amen, that God has put there. So speaking the truth in love often includes at times spiritual reproof, which is what he was doing there. And so this thing, listen, not only had it, had it, had it, had it uh, 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 sub, uh, uh, affected their liberty, but it even affected their love towards the apostle Paul. And then finally we'll see their loyalty was also subverted. Paul, listen, here's what happened. Paul had come to evangelize, but these had come to what? Proselytize. You see, because those that can't reproduce, what do they do? They have to recruit. <laughs> they can't reproduce, so they have to recruit. And that's why you see a lot of times we'll go out and evangelize and give people truth, right? And then these cults will come behind and they'll recruit, try to recruit those. You see? Right. Uh, you see that, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, why, why, why do the homosexuals just make such a big push? Right. Because they can't reproduce. They got to go out there and recruit. Right. And they got to do perverted things to try and, 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 and keep their people going. Think about that. Anyway, so these people couldn't. What did they do? They came in and they tried to proselytize these Galatians after Paul. Right. God had used Paul to do a work in their life. Paul came to win them to a person. And they just came to get him to join a group. And that's what these cults do, right? Amen. Uh, they, can't, they don't have anything to really help you. They're just trying to get you to join their group. Verse 17. Try to hurry up here. They zealously affect you. Who's they? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you 
that you might affect them. Who are the they? They are those that seek their own agenda, not the will of God. Right? Amen. All, all these other groups, they don't care about the will of God. They have an agenda. They have an agenda for their organization. They have an agenda uh, that they try to get you uh, to buy into. Right? So Romans 10, 2 says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Of course, that's talking about the Jews. But verse 18, he says, But in a good, it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. Hey, as Christians, we want to be zealous towards the right thing. Being zealous is only good if it's after a good thing. Try to finish up here. Verse 19, my children. There he is. He reminds them, listen, listen, remember, uh, I, 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 I'm nothing but hey, I do have that connection that God used me to bring you the truth. God used me to bring you the gospel. God used me to, amen, make a change in your life. And he goes on to say this, look, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Amen. He wants some uh, hyper soul winner that, hey, uh, he let somebody the Lord and then he just forgot about him. Amen. He, he, listen, uh, he, they stayed on his heart wherever he was. And you see that in all of his epistles. He always talked about how those people were still on their heart. He still remembered their names. He still prayed for them. He says, I travail in you. And as you well know, there is, there is a travail in bringing a child into the world. There's a travail in bringing a child into the world. But there's also a travail in bringing a child up in the world. Right. Amen. There's also a travail. It, 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 it takes a it takes a lot of it takes a lot to bring up a child in the world. So we could say this. One is labor pains and one. The other is a pains of labor. <laughs> you might look at it that way. One's labor pains. Right. Bringing the child into the world, but then trying to raise that child. Amen. There's a lot of pains in the labor. But amen. Uh, uh, but hopefully at the end of the day, in both cases, you can say it was it was worth it. And so that's what he says spiritually. He, he said, God allowed me to have a part in bringing you in to the Christian life. Now I want to have a part and pay the price. Amen. To help you grow in Christ. Amen. I had a part in the labor of bringing you to Christ. Now I want to have a part in helping you grow in Christ till Christ be what formed in you. That word formed is the same thought. If you, when you think of an artist, whether he's, he's making a, a statue or whatever, whether it's a clay or marble, and he's got that, he, and what is he doing? He's, he's, every day, he's working on it, working on it, working on it, amen, until it finally uh, uh, comes to the form of what he wants it to be. I like that, uh, uh, that, uh, that, that, that artist, amen, uh, he had that big piece of marble there, <coughs> and uh, uh, and, uh, and, and somebody asked him what he was going to carve that, out of that piece of marble. He said, he said, uh, he said I'm going to make an angel out of it. He said, how are you going to turn that thing into an angel? He said, I'm just going to knock off all the pieces that don't look like an angel. <laughs> Amen. I'm just going to knock off all the pieces that don't look like an angel. And then when I get done, all that's going to be left are the pieces that make it look like an angel. And that's what God wants to do with us. He says, he says, man, what are you going to turn that person into? I'm going to turn that person into an image of Jesus Christ. How, 
How are you going to turn that person into an image of Jesus Christ? Well, I'm just going to knock everything out of his life that doesn't look like Jesus. Amen. And so by the time I get done, all that be left is what looks like Jesus. Amen. So that's what he's doing when he's working on you. He's just trying to knock out all them parts that don't look like Jesus. Like, man, I didn't realize I had that many parts that look like Jesus. It's taking a lot of work. Amen. That at the end of the day, we'll look like Jesus. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. So let's finish up here. Verse 20, he says, I desire to be present with you now. Boy, that's the heart of a parent, is it? That's the heart of a parent. Like a loving parent, he desires to be by his children and to know that they have reached the point that they can stand on their own two feet, if you will, spiritually. He says, I stand in doubt of you. He says, I don't understand your decision and thinking process, but I beseech you, dear children. Amen. Please. What he's saying is, please heed to my plead. That's what he's saying. Please heed to my plead. So I finish with this thought. He's saying, why would you turn from grace? The law says do, but grace says done. The law says try, but amen. Grace says trust. The law says it's up to you. But grace says it's up to him. The law says look to Mount Sinai, but grace says look to Mount Calvary. Grace makes you a child of God and then gives you what you need, amen, to grow up, amen, and be a faithful man and adult in God. And that's all God wants, amen, but we can't get sidetracked. We got to stay focused on him. Let's pray.